0: Trying to find running room, and he's still on his feet. Can't hold. He's got
1: the first down to the 40. He's gone. The 35, the 30, the 20. He's gone.
0: He's gone. Touchdown, Washington Redskins. What's good? This is the Pigpen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day On Twitter, the 2020 NFL Draft is in the books for Redskins, and I gotta say, it was a pretty damn good one. We're gonna break down a majority of the picks, as well as a little bit on Trent Williams. We have finally moved on from him. Very happy about that, but as always, if this is your first time listening, be sure to subscribe to the Hogshaven podcast feed, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and if you're not a member of the site, go over to Hogshaven.com, And join us over there. So before we get into some of the actual picks itself, just some brief general thoughts on how this draft went down for us as a team and as an organization. I think first and foremost, I was very, very pleased. And I'm sure a lot of you are also in that same boat. This went really, really well for the Redskins. And it feels like over the past 20 years or so, we don't have a lot of drafts where we can say this went really, really well. But I was really pleased with the outcome and really just how... Our organization seemed to flow. It was a very refreshing change of pace to have not an official GM yet, although Kyle Smith is, is just about to get that title, but having Kyle Smith and Ron Rivera working together. I mean, what a foreign concept that must be. Your head coach and high-level guys in your front office working together to formulate a plan and then following a plan who would have thought that would be successful, right? But to see that happen, I mean, that was that was great. It was really, really refreshing to see that. And I think that's the biggest takeaway, at least from the first draft in the Rivera-Smith uh, tenure as a duo, is that they were on the same page. So that was big takeaway number one. I love the... Um, I liked the easel painting that Ron Rivera had that was kind of random I saw a couple jokes made about that on Twitter but I actually really liked the easel painting I thought it was much more relatable and much more down to earth than Cliff Kingsbury's thirst trap and his beautiful mansion in Arizona and Jerry Jones being an asshole on his 250 million dollar yacht like it's not cool to be on a 250 million dollar yacht I I apologize I know we would all love to be on a 250 million dollar yacht but if you flexing On a two hundred and fifty million dollars super yacht, you're dick. That's what you are. You're a terrible person, and I hate Jerry Jones even more for doing that. So I thought Ron Rivera's easel painting was significantly cooler uh, than Jerry Jones's stupid ass super yacht. Um, But as far as the actual process of this goes for the team, it this was one of the first drafts in quite some time where it felt like every single pick had a purpose, like they had. Put together a plan, and as much as we wanted a tight end, we did not get a tight end in the actual draft. Uh, but they put together a tight end, uh, or they put together a plan, I should say, and they followed with that plan. Every single pick had a purpose. Every single pick filled some sort of need on this team. And again, it it was really really cool to see that because there are occasional times. And I know the 6th and the 7th round, you're just kind of picking whoever's available. But still, you, you'd you like to do your best to fill some sort of hole at that point. And it felt like in the past, there were times where you just randomly draft like another linebacker. It's like, we already have 8 linebackers. Do we need a ninth one? Uh, so I felt like this, this year, we did a better job at least making those picks work, even if, again, it's the 6th and the 7th round you're not finding Tom Brady, all right? Like, we know that. You're not finding the next great Hall of Famer. You were just drafting for depth and for special teams, really, at that point. But I felt like every other pick had a real purpose in that. So with all of that being said, I mean, let's just kind of jump right into it. We're going to go super in-depth on the top uh, the top four picks in particular for obvious reasons because those guys have a much better chance to make the team, and we also just know a lot more about those. Um, but at this point, I'm sure everyone is, is very much aware Of how the draft went. I don't think I needed to run through every single pick at every single number. Uh, There's plenty of great content on this website, hogshaven.com, that you can find that at. But the first pick, of course, was Chase Young. This was obvious. We were big Chase Young fans here on this podcast for obvious reasons. He's the best player in the draft, and we had a, a very unique chance and ability that we capitalized on to be sitting at number two and still manage to get the best player in the draft because of the Bengals' need for a quarterback and them taking Joe Burrow number one. So grabbing Chase Young, it was a no-brainer of a pick. We were able to execute that pick perfectly and properly. We did not trade out of that pick because it seemed like a lot of the trade rumors, they turned out to be nothing but catfishes and nothing but hoaxes. But for a a brief amount of time, it did seem like at least early in February and maybe into mid-March, you're like, hey, maybe... Maybe there is a real chance the Redskins trade back. They did not do that, though, and they add Chase Young. He was the best player in the draft and fills a position of need. And now our defensive line is, at least on paper, setting up to be one of the best groups, not only in the NFC, but in the NFL. I mean, I don't see a weakness on paper with our defensive line and I know it's early and I'm just as guilty as maybe anyone for jumping on the, our defense is going to be great train last year. So I don't want to get too over my skis here, but damn, I'm excited to see Chase Young play on this defensive line. I mean, there's really no way to contain that excitement. He's awesome. And our group that we have here is awesome. So I'm going to be excited and I mean, if you don't like it, I apologize. Suck it. I'm excited. Chase Young with this defensive uh, group is going to be awesome, and I'm predicting right now uh, it's April 26th. It's late April 26th, but it's April 26th. I'm predicting that Chase Young is having double-digit sacks this year. That's the bold prediction. That's the hot take for this podcast as we are uh, just over 24 hours removed from the 2020 NFL draft, the completion of that draft. I'm predicting that Chase Young is going to have double-digit sacks in his first year with the Redskins. So you can book that now if you want to put me on a freezing freezing cold takes. I, I will live and die by that prediction. I'm, t- I'm telling you, Chase Young is going to have double-digit sacks with the Redskins his rookie year. I'm super excited to see what he's going to do for this defense. Then we have the Antonio Gibson pick. And this one is a fascinating one. I love it. I was a little skeptical at first just because I didn't watch a lot of Memphis football like most people. I don't I don't watch the AAC a ton. I watch them a little bit but not a ton. I watch the Power 5 schools significantly more than I do Memphis. But this pick was really interesting because it showed us, one, it gave us a glimpse into just how this offense is going to run. And when we basically picked up the entire Panthers coaching staff of last year— I was a little skeptical as to what our offense was going to look like because I really wanted to keep KOC. I thought he was he was the guy for the job, and I'm not completely down on Scott Turner, but I was more of a fan of KOC, and I thought he was going to be the guy to evolve this offense in the direction that I felt like it needed to go and, the, and how I felt like uh, offense is moving in the NFL. But with this pick here with Antonio Gibson, it shows me that we are ready to evolve with the times of the NFL and what it means to to have skill position players in the NFL. And for a for a long time I do think we were ahead of the game with this with Chris Thompson. And I think a lot of that was because of Sean McVay and, and KOC. And I, I looked at Chris Thompson for a while as a championship style player on our team. He's a guy that can do so many different things and he was so versatile It just so happened that we weren't good enough to be in any contention for a championship, so we didn't really get to see Chris Thompson excel in those big-time games. Then on top of that, he had a history getting injured. Um, But when I look at Antonio Gibson, I see a dude that's 6'2 and 220 pounds. So he's about six inches taller and like 40 pounds heavier than Chris Thompson. And he can do a lot of the same things. And I watched his tape a little bit like uh, I'm sure a lot of you have. We've been binging uh, some of these guys' tape. And I watch him and it's just you're almost in awe. And I know Memphis in the AAC, not great competition. But he's still making small, like grown men look like small children and the way that he can do so many different things all throughout the field. It was funny, when we made the draft pick, the graphic on the broadcast said wide receiver. Mel Kuyper's pick said wide receiver. The highlights had him, they kind of switched around a little bit, but it said wide receiver, and then Roger Goodell called him a running back, Trey Wingo called him a running back, and just about every single analyst, including Mel Kuyper, called him a running back, and I think it just speaks to the versatility. I was I was laughing my ass off when I was seeing this because like, well, what the hell is this dude? He's like an alien, but I'm perfectly okay with him being an alien. In our offense, we know that something needs to change. Adrian Peterson is going to likely be running back number one when we start the season, closely followed by Darius Geis. And then you have Gibson, and he's going to be able to do so many different things that change of pace back. Uh, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. You can line him up so many different spots on the field, and he can kick return. So he basically fills every single need, every single hole that we needed filled with the departure of Chris Thompson. And he's just a bigger framed individual. And so I think less likely that he's going to consistently be, be drawn down by nagging injuries. So I'm really excited to see what Antonio Gibson is going to do for this offense as we continue to move into the future and stay ahead of the curve, if you will, with what NFL teams are doing in terms of offense and the dynamic between both Gibson and and Steve Sims Jr who's another guy that I think this year we can move around a little bit. Uh, I think our, we're going to have a lot of explosiveness on this offense. So that was all the the first two days of the pick. Of course, we didn't have a second round pick. We thought maybe just maybe the Trent Williams trade would get us a second round pick. That of course ended up not happening, but the fourth round the fourth round is where things got really really fun. Moments, like literally moments after we traded Trent Williams, we immediately feel the need at the tackle spot at pick 108 with Sadiq Charles. And this is the very definition, the personification of a high-risk, high-reward pick for us. Because in terms of pure talent, if we are not looking at any of the things off the field, in terms of pure talent, Charles is one of the most talented tackles in this draft class. But the reason he's available in the fourth round is because of all of the -the off-the-field issues. When Ed Ogeron is just openly stating in an interview, which it it made its way across the internet, it surfaced uh, amongst Redskins' Twitter, when Ed Ogeron is openly stating in an interview about the character flaws, and that's a direct quote, he's talking about character flaws amongst one of his guys to the media. You know there are some things going on there with Sadiq Charles, but he also said that if Charles stayed another year and was able to stay on the field, he probably would have been a top five pick next year. So the Redskins are getting a guy in terms of talent that could actually be the guy to fill the void left by Trent Williams. The guy that can be our left tackle for the foreseeable future in this franchise, he just has to keep his head on straight. Now a lot of the reasoning for him being off the field last year was due to marijuana use and with the new CBA that's not as big of a deal I mean you still don't want dudes to be completely going nuts with the weed because you need to be like you need to have your head on straight but the weed isn't as big of a deal now because of the new CBA so he's not going to get suspended for his use of the weed but you still need to make sure he's in a good spot And he's not making bad decisions because a lot of people have described this dude as more of a follower than a leader. And as a rookie in the NFL, it's very easy to get caught up in some of the bad things that come with being an NFL star. Now, thankfully, we're not in like a crazy, crazy city. I mean, a lot of these guys are going to live in the Ashburn, Leesburg area, and there's not a whole lot of craziness going on over there. I mean, maybe avoid one Loudon because it seems like nothing good happens at one Loudon for a Redskins player after like midnight but we're not in Miami, right? Like, we don't just have cocaine flowing everywhere. So that's good for Charles, but he needs to get straightened out a little bit. Now, thankfully for him, he is coming to the Redskins with Ron Rivera. And plain and simple, if Ron Rivera can't straighten you out, you are not going to be straightened out of the NFL. It's really that simple. If Ron Rivera can't get you on the right path, you aren't going to be on the right path in the NFL. So I'm pretty confident that this is going to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest steals in this draft because I'm confident in Ron Rivera's ability to get Sadiq Charles on the right path and maximize his talent. So the Redskins got a guy that realistically could have been a top five pick next year at pick 108 in the fourth round because they were willing to take a risk on the character flaws. every The scarlet letter that that brings with players as they get drafted. We were willing to take a risk and I think it's going to pay off mightily for this team. As we move forward and then this was without a doubt my favorite pick of the entire draft for many different reasons. Pick number 142 the Redskins selected Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty University. I of course went to Liberty University class of 2017 fan the flames. What's good. Uh, I was really excited. I really just did not want Antonio Gandy-Golden or as we call him AGG. So that we're just going to we're just going to slide with that nickname for the foreseeable future. I didn't want AGG to end up anywhere in the NFC East. That, that was like priority number one. I wanted him. That was priority number two. But priority number one was for him to not end up anywhere else in the NFC East. What we are getting with this dude is is one hell of a football player, and I know not a lot of people watch Liberty for uh, a lot of different reasons. Their games just weren't on television at all, unless you had ESPN Plus, but because I went to Liberty, I pay a lot more attention to that football program than all of you, and we are getting a fantastic wide receiver that put up some crazy numbers, all doing so while his quarterback throwing to him, his name was Buckshot, so just take that for what you will, but the guy who was throwing to him, his actual name was Buckshot, Well. His, his official name was Steven, um, but I was once in the press box during a Liberty University game where the PA announcer called him Steven, which was his actual name, and his dad started rage subtweeting at the PA announcer for not calling him Buckshot. So that was the guy that was throwing Antonio Gandy-Golden the ball at Liberty, and he was still for a while last year leading the the entire nation In receiving yards he was top I think he finished top five so the production that he had at Liberty University was was fantastic in that regard and now the the knock on that would be well Liberty doesn't play top tier talent which is accurate although he did have a really good game against Syracuse uh, I did have a really good game against against Rutgers we've seen a couple highlights um, from that game in his highlight packages he is a guy that is going to play up to competition and no, nowhere was that more apparent at the Senior Bowl, which is where he really started to turn heads. I mean, his production at Liberty, his final year, was great. But when he got invited to the Senior Bowl, and he started making plays against guys that had big-time experience in big-time conferences on big-time games, and Antonio and AGG was still there making plays against him. He wasn't afraid to play to his competition. And for a guy at a smaller school, I think that's crucial. So he's a guy that's going to come in. He's going to work hard. He's an interesting dude just in general. I mean, you've seen the graphic floating around uh, that they put up when he was drafted. I'm sure by now you've seen the video of him doing the Rubik's Cube during a center interview. The Rubik's Cube thing is awesome. He's just a fascinating individual, and he's a good dude. I think that's the biggest thing here. We see a lot of diva wide receivers uh, across this league. Uh, he is not one of those guys. He's a really good dude. He's going to be a really hard worker. I'm really excited to see what he does in this offense. Both him and Gibson, I think, are going to have a really good opportunity to be able to to compete and make plays You know, almost immediately for this team. So I'm really excited to see what those two guys do. Uh, and then following in the next few rounds, we had Keith Ishmael, Ishmael of San Diego State, the center there. He's a the guy that can play both center and guard, so I love the versatility there. I don't think you can have enough... Offensive lineman, we have seen that in past years with our injuries and our offensive line just becoming a revolving door of guys. Um, so getting getting a uh, depth at that position is is fantastic. At one sixty two, uh, we got kalike Hudson out of Michigan, an outside linebacker, so a natural outside linebacker. You safety turned outside linebacker at Michigan. We are of course shifting to the four three. Um, so a guy that can can play outside linebacker, I think, is crucial. If not, he can play special teams. Will he make the roster? I mean, who knows at this point? We actually do have a pretty stacked linebacker group, but adding another body in there uh, in, in the offseason when we actually do get together as a team, I think it is going to be really, really nice. Uh, Carmen H- uh, Carmen Car- Cameron Curl. I should have read these names before I started doing this. Lord have mercy. That one's not even that difficult to pronounce. I'm just an idiot. Uh, Cameron Curl for the safety from Arkansas. Good size. one dude. Versatile. Might be able to maybe maybe moving the corner probably not but maybe special teams guy i mean like you just you're just drafting when you get to the 7th round and then we we finished off with a uh, james smith washington that name significantly easier to pronounce the D defensive end from nc state uh, as far as grades go we're going to go into our little report card here I, i'm going to give this grade an, an a for the team i want to give this draft an a i thought 2000 the 2020 draft class it filled Filled holes that we needed filled. We got the best player in the draft. And I think our offense got better with Gandy Golden, Gibson, and Charles. So I'm going to give Ron Rivera and Kyle Smith in their first real draft as a duo, I'm going to give them an A. I thought they really did a good job. And I feel like our team got better this weekend. And because of that, I'm giving them an A. But of course, maybe the biggest news, and this is where we're going to end uh, today's program with, the biggest news is that Trent Williams is no longer a member of the Washington Redskins. So this long, drawn-out saga that probably should have ended last summer has now officially come to an end. We get a fifth and a third next year in return uh, for what was a, an all-pro left tackle. Not exactly the greatest return in the world, but at this point in time, in 2020, that's the best that you can get. And you knew it was going to be trouble when the three teams, as we entered the draft, who are rumored to be in contention for Trent Williams, all drafted a tackle in the first round. I mean, you're looking at Cleveland, you're looking at the Jets, you're looking at Tampa. And I don't know how much, how how accurate some of the reports were about those teams truly being involved. But once Cleveland drafted a tackle, you're like, oh, okay, damn it. And then the Jets drafted a tackle, and you're like, all right, maybe not the best in the world, but hey, we still got Tampa Bay. And then Tampa Bay traded up to draft a tackle. You're like, damn it, man, like, come on. And then we had Minnesota going for us. So like, all right, well, the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, he wants to play with his boy. And then they draft a tackle. And then, of course, we have all of these rumors and reports about Trent Williams saying he didn't want to play with the Vikings. And then his agent, who has become our least favorite person in this city, uh, he said, actually, no, we never said that, even though we totally know that that you did say that. And then ultimately he ends up going to the San Francisco 49ers, reuniting with Kyle Shanahan. He's going to do fantastic over there. So if you are in the camp of, I really just want Trent Williams to fail, I would maybe suggest don't watch San Francisco 49ers games this year because he fits everything that they want to do. And if you thought Raheem Mostert was doing great with their zone blocking last year, In the playoffs, just imagine when Trent Williams is going to be the guy he's running behind. It's almost not going to be fair. So the 49ers definitely won that trade if we're assessing winners and losers here. But we got some sort of value back. And because of that, I'm okay with it. Like we didn't have to cut the dude. We didn't turn into the Carolina Panthers as they cut Cam Newton. As long as we got something back in return, I'm going to consider that at least a positive. Maybe not a win necessarily, but it is a positive. I would have loved to get a first round pick back. Duh. And I do think that Trent Williams is actually worth a first round pick, but because Bruce Allen is a moron and the whole process that this thing has become, that made the first round thing was impossible. Getting a second round pick back became impossible. And getting a third-round pick, at least this year, became impossible based on the timing of everything. Although apparently we had had discussions with San Francisco basically the entire week. So it wasn't this wasn't like a new thing that just popped up. It, it just so happens that because every single other team that was in contention for the services of Trent Williams drafted a tackle, that San Francisco was the only team that was left, but I'm glad that we're done with this. I'm glad that Ron Rivera has stayed true to his word of we want guys who want to be here. And Trent Williams very clearly did not want to be here. We can point the fingers at a multitude of different reasons as to why he didn't want to be here. Was it just about the money? I have no idea. Definitely plays some sort of factor into it. Although Trent Williams is playing on his final deal, final year of this deal, it's going to get restructured a little bit. So I think he's going to have guaranteed money. Which he didn't have here, but he's playing on the final year of his deal. So the extension didn't turn out to be that big of a deal. The extension would have gone through in Minnesota, but he said no, he didn't want to play there. So just really, really fascinating. I'm just glad it's over with, to be honest. And I know a lot of you are in the same boat. This is the process of getting Trent Williams away from us became way too drawn out, and it sucked because I love Trent Williams. I think he's awesome, but we needed to move on. We did move on, and I think that was the cherry on top of this draft weekend. I think it was not a perfect weekend because I don't know if we could really get a perfect weekend in the NFL draft, but it was a pretty damn good one for Ron Rivera and Kyle Smith and for this organization as we look towards the future. I'm still in favor of that slow rebuild, but I do think With the the talent that we were able to acquire this weekend in the NFL draft, our slow rebuild may have sped up at least just a little bit. I'm not getting too over my skis here. I'm not predicting a playoff berth or anything along those lines. But I do think we got significantly better this weekend, and that's all you can ask for. But I want to know what you think. Let me know on Twitter at Denton underscore day, or if you are listening on hogshaven.com, you can let me know in the po- in the uh, the comments section. I want to know what you thought of this weekend's draft specifically for the Redskins. I'm a big fan. I hope you are as well, but let me know on Twitter at at Denton underscore day and for that that's going to do it for this this week's episode of the Pigpen podcast maybe just maybe in the future we might be able to get uh, AGG on here we're going to see if we can make some calls and use that Liberty family connection to see if we can get him on here of course uh, I'll keep you posted on that but until then follow me on Twitter at Denton underscore day and I'll see you next week on the Pigpen podcast.